Welcome to the Vibe Lifter podcast. I'm Tish, one of the Reglan Food co-founders, and I'm here to help lift your vibe with inspiring stories from people out in their local communities doing good mahi. So settle in and let's meet our guest of the day. Today we're chatting with Anna Dahlberg, the passionate animal lover behind Paws Wild Animal Sanctuary here in Whangaroa, Raglan. Kia ora, Anna. Kia ora. I know how hard it is for you to get time away from all your furry friends, so thanks for coming in to chat today. Oh, you're welcome. It's lovely to see you. And I hear it's been a busy day for you rescuing bobby calves. Can you explain to our listeners what a bobby calf is exactly and how they end up needing your help? Uh, So a bobby calf is basically a calf that is surplus to requirement by the dairy industry. Dairy farms will collect calves once they're born. Uh, Usually after about 24 hours of them being born, they'll take the calves from their mothers and pop them in a shed. There will be the replacement calves which they keep, which are usually females uh, born by through artificial insemination and they replace the cows that have died in the previous season. So they're called replacement calves and they replace the cows that are going to be sent to the slaughterhouse who have done their time on the dairy farm. They might be older, sicker, perhaps they're not producing as much milk. So those are the girls that survive. The rest of the calves in most farms in New Zealand from four days on will end up going to the slaughterhouse. Uh, So that includes any male calves, any twins, any triplets, any calves that were born to first-year heifers and any female calves that are born by artificial insemination. Uh, So that's generally uh, what the bobby calves are. Uh, From the farm that I work with, there's about 140 cows on the farm, and of those 140 cows, 80 to 90 of the calves usually go to the slaughterhouse each year Mm. unless he finds a farmer uh, who may want a couple of the, or a few of the bull calves to rear for beef. Wow. So it sounds like that would be a lot of bobby calves every year then, if that's one farm and we've got a lot yep. of farms in New Zealand. Do you know what the what the number is of bobby calves that get slaughtered every year? Yeah, it's around about 2 million give or take each year. So 2 million bobby calves are taken off their mothers and that's basically so we can drink their milk. We're actually the only species who does drink another species milk and use their products in that way. So It's very bizarre, isn't it, when you think about it that way? <laughs> yeah, it, it is really. And especially if you ever rear a calf, there is a huge difference between a calf and human baby and uh, they grow exponentially faster and bigger. Mm, It's like a growth food, isn't it? Like a growth formulation, that milk. Yeah. Wow. So the runs that you can rescue would be a very small percentage of of the two million that are dying every year. Do you know if um, other animal sanctuaries are, are rescuing bobby calves or is that sort of 
not as common as you know we all hear about having dogs and cats rescued but I don't I don't really hear much about bobby cubs being rescued some do um probably it's our thing that we apart from dogs we really uh work hard to rescue bobby calves and we're very strict with our where we rehome them to as well Unfortunately, to truly rescue a bobby calf, you need somebody who's going to want them for life as mm. as a pet and not for eating or breeding. So breeding, just we say no to that because uh, generally that means milking, but mm. also breeding means that there's one more unwanted calf or cow in the world, which will probably end up going to the slaughterhouse. So no, there's not many around the country and it and it's just really hard to find people with land and really good hearts who want to take these beautiful little souls into their lives mm. for life because uh, they also live for a long you know, time. Yeah, they can live 20 years or so. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So tell me about the first animal you ever connected with. Have animals always played a big role in your life? Yeah, right from when I was young, I was always bringing home animals to my father. To uh, they were usually some little animal that I'd found that was um, might have been a bird that had a broken wing or or a little duck or something. We did try hard to save the ones we could, but um, my uh, <laughs> success rate was. <laughs> Fairly slim, to be fair. But the first animal I probably really connected with uh, was my brother's dog, Bindi, and we had a very special relationship. She was my best friend all all through school, Mm. and um, we used to go for little adventures together. And when I was upset or sad, I used to run away with her. And <laughs> yeah, and just have some bindi cuddles. Yeah, I used to sneak her into my room and, um, yeah, she was my best friend. And Oh, um, sounds like a beautiful dog. Yeah, she was. She's a good mate and she was also a rescue dog. So, oh, yeah. yeah. And they're extra cuddly. Well, at least that's my theory, having a rescue dog myself. I feel like they they just love the cuddles, you know. They didn't mm. get them when they were puppies and so they kind of make up for lost time. That's for sure. I can't recommend higher getting a rescue dog rather than a breed dog or, you know, we have a saying, adopt, don't shop. And there's so many dogs that are being put down and are euthanized all around the country every day, not because there's anything wrong with them, not because they've hurt anyone or they've got any behavioral problems. Just, just unwanted. They're just unwanted and they're, and they're beautiful, lovely nature dogs, but there's just um, so many dogs out there needing homes. Mm. Do you have any tips around that? I'm just thinking specifically for people wanting to take on or adopt a rescue puppy. You know, are there things that people should be aware of because you've got so much experience with this now? The main thing is that you need the time for them. And that's not just a rescue dog, that's any Mm. animal. You need to have the time. I think like through COVID, there was a lot of people that took on dogs and animals uh, because they had loads of time. As soon as the COVID period was over, they decided that they didn't have time for those animals. And, And this was the other big thing is that animals are for life. So these these people who 
had time during COVID, suddenly didn't have time, and then they thought, oh, I'll give it away now, I know. Yeah, the animal was disposable and they had this lovely little puppy who was suddenly getting a bigger, very, very big, destructive puppy that they didn't have time for and the puppy was the loser in the situation and a lot of those dogs ended up getting euthanised um, mm. at pounds. And I've and, heard this as well. Yeah. The animal welfare um, services all around the country have just been flooded after COVID. Yeah. It's so unfair to the animals. Mm. You know, they didn't sign up for that. They thought they were getting a, a lovely home and yeah. a family and then they get given away again. So yeah. so you're right, people thinking about it need to really want to commit. And I think, you know, some of these animals need extra love. They need extra patience and they need extra time. They, you know, dogs need not just food, water, shelter, they need company. They need mm. a companion. Uh, they need walks every day. Yes. And they don't need to be locked in crates for 10 hours of the day or, you know, in a kennel or on a on a chain. Mm. They actually need to be part of the family and part of the family for life. Yeah. This is a commitment. And can you make that commitment? If the answer is no, then don't even don't go there. do it. Yeah. Yeah. And they also need plenty of belly rubs. Absolutely. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. Um, and so how many animals are now in your care at Paws a While? I, I know when I've come out, because I've been out there a couple of times now, I've met donkeys and horses and pigs and, you know, you've got all sorts of different animals out there. Did you intentionally want a diverse range of animals or did it sort of evolve that way over time? A bit of both. When I grew up, I was lucky enough to have parents who were animal lovers too. Uh, probably not to the crazy animal lady extent I, <laughs> I am, but we did have a range of animals, things like guinea pigs and cats and dogs and rabbits, that sort of thing. So I think just having bought the land uh, for the express purpose of having a sanctuary I did have in my mind that I would like some diversity in the animals, but I had no idea what was going to come and what that was going to look like. So mm. uh, apart from the two donkeys arrived the day after I arrived, the oh, first, wow. first two donkeys, Fred and Barney, and we've just Chester has just come to us, another oh. another donkey. So, But, yeah, ever since then, people have just generally asked us, can you take this on or can you take these animals on? Some of them have been more chosen, like some of the cows. So Hermani, who's one of my cows, she's the youngest, she's only four. So she came to me as a bobby calf and four years ago it was kind of love at first sight with her and <laughs> we both kind of just clicked. Yeah, and there are some animals that just sort of take your heart a little bit more than, mm. but yeah, pretty much everybody who's with us at the moment are permanent animals. Um, there's a couple of dogs that are looking for homes mm. and we obviously are rescuing bobby calves at the moment. So if you have land and a big heart mm. and can make that commitment, we're looking for homes. Yeah, that's great. That's good to know. We'll make sure we include a, a link 
as well to the animal sanctuary when we share the episode so people can can find that. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so what are some of the biggest challenges of running an animal sanctuary? I, I know how hard you work, <laughs> so it's a lot of work. Yeah, well, what are some of, of the work. things that you're facing at the moment? The hardest part, particularly at the moment, is not the ones that you can save, it's the ones you leave behind. Their faces are etched in your mind mm. for the rest of your life. There's certain animals that I've failed and there's dogs that I haven't been able to take because I'm just completely overloaded. Mm. There's bobby calves that I've gone to the sheds and there's 20 faces looking up at me and I can only take two. Oh, so hard. And oh, that would be awful. These days I I don't choose. I tell the farmer just to bring two out to me because I can't. It's too hard to make that call. Yeah, and I, um, you know, and there's people that are always wanting the pretty calves and and to me it's that's not what this is about. It's about um, just rescuing them not based on what they look like but based on the fact that they all equally deserve to a chance a, at life. A chance at life and chance at safety. So that's one of the hardest things. It's It can be very heartbreaking work. And I think the other thing is doing it alone is mm. um, really hard. I work as a nurse part-time and then work on the sanctuary and it's incredibly long hours, sometimes Round the clock, and it's mm. 365 days a year. Yeah, you can't year. just go on holiday. You've no. got all these animals that need to be fed yeah. every day. I had a wonderful friend help me for a couple of years, and I said to him at one stage that it was nice not to be alone anymore, you know, doing it all alone. And he actually said to me, he said, Anna, you are alone. And and I realised that when he left, I was like, yeah, I am alone and I am in this on my own. And it, that can be tough and it can cause a lot of anxiety, but it can be very sad too. Uh, there are People think um, running a sanctuary is all rainbows and yeah. <laughs> butterflies and, and cute yeah. animals. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And cuddles and but there's been times where you know I remember standing out in the rain digging a grave for mm. hours and the pouring winter rain oh. and just bawling my eyes out because I, I couldn't get anyone to help me. So mm. those moments can be really tough, particularly when you're on your own. Yeah, um, it does sound really hard. Yeah, so that I mean, there's obviously the good moments too, but you see the world and reality and humanity in a different light after you've been doing this job for as long as I have now. Mm, and you're caring on both ends, right? So you're working as a nurse, caring for people, and then you're also running a sanctuary, caring for animals. Yeah. So that's a lot to give, you know, all yeah. day, every day. And a lot of the time it's very thankless. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> On the human end. <laughs> the human end, yeah. You can actually get a lot of abuse from doing both jobs. Wow, as yeah. a nurse. Mm, that's so sad, isn't it, because you're just there to help people. <laughs> how, how do you feel we're doing as a country? Do you feel that we're doing enough to care for our animal population? What could we do to improve? 
Oh, we're absolutely not doing enough. No, mm. absolutely not. I mean, things like live export, we've just Finally had a win there. Mm. However, they are talking about uh, reversing that. But the way we look after our seas, our oceans, we're overfishing them. We're not protecting enough of that. We're not protecting our farm animals from abuse. We're not actually looking at animals as sentient beings and treating them as such. Our best friend is our true indictment of how we treat animals. I mean, dogs are supposed to be our best friend, and yet they're being put down in huge numbers. They're treated terribly by people, lock, mm. locked up and, and left on chains. Shot with BB guns. Oh, mm. and the dog fighting, which nobody seems to be doing much about at all. And there are small groups of people that are, are trying hard to rescue and um, save dogs. But um, there is a lot of neglect and abuse of our best friend, and if we we treat our best friend this way, then you look at the other animals and you think how much worse it is for them. So that's such a good point. And even things like greyhound racing. I yeah. mean, that's for our supposed entertainment, entertainment and gambling. <laughs> you know, and these poor animals are literally running themselves to death. And I think anything like that to me, cruelty is not entertainment. If you're doing something and enjoying it and the other side isn't, is it entertainment, is it sport, you know, duck shooting, um, mm. these things, uh, hunting, these things that we look at as entertainment and sports, I think there's only one side that's actually... Having fun. Yeah, enjoying <laughs> these moments. Yeah. Mm, really good points. What are some ways that people can engage with the sanctuary and support you? I mean, you've said, you know, you're doing a lot of it alone. I know you've done um, volunteering days and you've had some open days. Is there any more information you can share about that for people who would like to get involved? Yeah, people can go to the Pause A While Facebook page and we do post up when we have a working bee. We try and do them once a month. Uh, this year we haven't been so good, but we usually have the working bee from nine to one on a Saturday and then we'll have a shared plant-based lunch where people bring uh, food and share that and get together. We would love some skilled people, people like builders who can help us with some of the uh, shelters that would be really amazing to get even a group of guys out who can just do a bit of work. We've got a lot of half-finished projects at the moment mm. that need working on. The other thing people can do is rescue if you can. Uh, if you've got land and a big heart, like I said, you can rescue animals. Some cows, they're great companion animals for horses and they're they're beautiful pets. Um, I just took one today, Petal, to her new home, and she is just delicious. She's no. just so, <laughs> so cute and so friendly. She just followed me around everywhere and <laughs> wanted cuddles and pets. And <laughs> They're very smart too. I've heard yeah, from people that yeah. they're actually incredibly smart. Yeah. 
And uh, I've always seen a lot of these little calves are very lost. They have, they've lost their mothers, so they're, they're quite lost, but she was a bonny wee thing, yeah. <laughs> and then um, if you can't help in those ways but you're, you're financially able, then we have massive vet and feed bills, uh, which are all paid for on my part-time wage, um, and the sanctuary's generally sinking. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter bills. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's always... Um, always appreciated. Always appreciated, yeah. And you can always just put it straight into our, our vet accounts. So uh, we have a large vet account and a, a small animal vet account. So, yeah. Those yeah, are. that's great. Thanks, Anna. I know we, we loved coming out. Um, when we brought the yeah. team out to do some volunteering and yeah everyone had so much fun and it's just really nice to be around animals as well yeah. they have a lovely energy and yeah. I think especially city folks or you know people working on computers all the time it's such a change to actually mm-hmm. be outside and engaging with animals and it's very healing too for people a lot of people come out uh, thinking they're coming to help, but they actually get a lot out of it, uh, a lot out of spending time with the animals and they learn a lot about the animals and sometimes about other things like uh, the last volunteer day we planted a grove of kahikatea trees. Oh, so nice. So um, the volunteers learned a bit about tree planting, about kahikatea trees and so people get out of it um, what they put into it too. So, mm, yeah, Totally. I just wonder if there are any books or documentaries you've come across lately that other animal lovers listening to this might enjoy checking out. And I can't imagine you have a lot of time <laughs> for reading or watching documentaries, but if there's anything you can think of. I was watching a Sea Shepherd doco about their work in, in uh, Norway so, yeah, you can go to the Sea Shepherd uh, website and you can uh, view those docos. Uh, they were pretty cool about um, them trying to stop the Norway hunts on the pilot whales. Mm. And it was very interesting because obviously whales are very intelligent and they are very easy for the Norwegian people uh, on the Faroe Islands to kill because they are so closely bonded with their families, which is incredibly sad, that they will stick together. So if one's been herded, the whole lot will go together. They'll all follow. And that's how they manage to butcher them all is because of their allegiance, their loyalty to one another. Mm. Um, So it actually shows their sentience and sadly, instead of... um, nurturing that, we take advantage of it. Mm, It reminds me of the new um, Avatar movie, which I'm sure a lot of people have seen, called The Way of Water, and they hunt whales in that as well, and it just really shows the the heartbreaking sadness of that. These Mm. incredibly intelligent beings and they're just, yeah, being ruthlessly taken advantage of. So, yeah, I I understand (laughs) that it would be quite a hard watch, but but also yeah. a very good watch to have that awareness. What's something surprising you've learnt about animals over the years? It, it could be one particular animal or just in general, but I'm sure you've learned all sorts of things that most people wouldn't know. I guess they're bonds to one another. Obviously they will bond with other species, but I always try and have 
my animals having a like species with them and they're incredibly strongly bonded to each other. They, they can actually be a lot more faithful to each other and I think some of them actually have they have some of the best of the human qualities and, mm. and they, they don't have so many of the sadly cruel ones that we have. And um, ones like the donkeys, they're probably my most closely bonded animals. They just won't go anywhere without each other, which is why I've just bought in uh, Chester because uh, Fred has become a bit unwell and I didn't want... Barney would be all alone. That's right, yeah. So I've just made sure now there's three of them and, and hoping that that bond will slowly get established um, and poor Chester had lost his friend. But, you know, those bonds do take time. They don't happen overnight. Um, I've also, with my Cooney Coon pigs, seen one of them. She, when her sister died, she really went into mourning. She was grieving for her and mm. became quite depressed. They do grieve for their families and I think people don't realise that just like us, they have families, they have friends, and just like us, they play. Uh, you'll see them playing with each other. Just like us, they love. And I think just like us, they want to love. We sometimes forget that. We can somehow disassociate our brains from mm. the fact that... We actually have so much in common. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, there's things that do put us apart and sometimes it's not the good things on the human side that mm. do that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Anna. Your love for animals is inspiring <laughs> and I know from seeing you in action and going out to the sanctuary how much all the animals love you and depend on you. So, yeah, I just want to say a big thanks for all the mahi you're doing for our community's four-legged friends, um, and I hope that other people out there can get involved and, and help support the sanctuary as well. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys and your support. Um, yeah, I think you're the only company that uh, gives some money each month to our vet bills, so I really appreciate that. Yeah. It's a pleasure to help. listening to the Vibe Lifter podcast. We hope that tuning into this interview has lifted your vibe. Check out raglanfoodco.com to learn more about the people and projects we're stoked to be supporting. A body's a true hobby, the one to shake the sun and down down. I follow through with the that you play